I was living life like I was invincible. Cocaine, money, girls, you name it, until my life got wrecked. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to be talking about that glorified life that you see in Hollywood. You know, the life where everything is fast, drugs, girls, sex, everything you would want. Life where you walk around like you are a God and everyone knows it. Now, is that the life that we really want? Well, until real life thumps you real good. Now, on our show today, we'll be interviewing Drew Anderson, who lived life in a fast and furious way until that lifestyle left him feeling so empty and literally physically maimed him. Drew, welcome to the show. Great to be here. I appreciate you having me on the show. Ready to share, man. Awesome, Drew. It's great having you on the show today. Now, Drew, I understand that you were raised in a great family, but due to some circumstances, you didn't really know who you were. Tell us about that. Yeah, of course. I was born in Busan, South Korea. I was left actually at a fire station there. Wow. And I was adopted by an American family here in the United States, an American military family. Wow. So, of course, you know, identity is going to play a part when you don't know who your parents are. You wake up one day and you have white parents in a very Americanized culture that everything kind of looks one way. And that starts to play on your mind a little bit, starts to play with your identity a bit. And that's kind of where I was. Wow. So you were basically Asian, but then in your mind, you know, it just had a conflict, right? There's a bit of a conflict there. Born Asian, but raised American. Yeah. Very, very off. I understand. Now, how did drugs get slowly introduced into your life? And why did they at that time appeal to you? I mean, they got introduced to my life kind of, you know, later on into life, but I think they appeal to me because they fulfill the status quo of what you're looking for as an individual who struggles with identity. It gives you a group of people to hang out with. It gives you acceptance. Mm -hmm. It gives you adrenaline. It gives you that feeling that you're a part of something. And it's very easy to get involved in that social kind of construct or hierarchy very quickly and accept it as your own, especially if you've gone your whole life without something to belong to. Wow. Now, when you said later on in life, like older, or like where you're a teenager? Yeah, definitely. Probably like low teen. I think probably as soon as I hit teenage years. Right when you hit teenage years. Wow. So what ended up being your drug of choice? Cocaine, hands down. Cocaine. Why was that? What did cocaine do for you? It just fed everything that I lived in. You know, it was the rush. It was the activity. It was the not sleeping. It was the hyper focused conversation. Uh, I couldn't sit still. I didn't have to sleep. I was involved in, you know, partying and hanging out. When you live that kind of life, man, you know, you want to be up, you don't want to be tired. Wow. I've never, you know, done this. So it seems like it kind of made you feel invincible. Is that right? Well, yeah, you can't help but feel a little bit untouchable when you're out there. You know, you've got everything going for you. You know, drugs bring the quintessential surroundings, the girls, the money, the atmosphere, the friendships, the parties, the status, everything, man. Wow. Yeah, you can definitely start to feel a little bit in charge. Wow. So did you get into fights a lot as a kid? Tell me about uh, one of those fight moments when you felt invincible. 
Yeah, man. You know, like when people test you, people talk about you, you have very inept, <laughs> very absent abilities to kind of calm yourself down. You're up, you're ready, you're action packed. You got people watching you. You have a reputation to upkeep. And so, you know, there's been several occasions, I'd say, where it would start off as something very casual, turn into something that I took offense to, and that was it. I did not slow down. I wasn't the talk it out person. I wasn't the hit me first guy. I was just offended into swinging. And that's where we are. Wow. So basically, people would offend you and you just go roll out guns on them and just start hitting them, hitting them that's right. and getting in fights. Oh my gosh. So you did feel invincible at that time. So I understand that this invincibility feeling led you to do some really risky things. Tell us a moment when you engaged into something that was really risky as a young man. I think every time you travel, when you're selling it, when you're using it, I think every time you're driving around with guns, you're driving around with drugs, you're driving around with people who are equally under the influence, equally have similar rap sheets. I think every time you leave the house is risky. I just think in this instance, every time you go and deliver, every time you go and pick up money, every time you go and pick up another shipment, I mean, it's just everything you do is risky. But when you are in that lifestyle as deep as I was, you just don't care. I mean, you're almost mm -hmm. blind to the risk until risk finds you. So you'd like do things that would put your own life at risk just to kind of show how invincible you were, like probably on motorcycles, probably on, you know, car rides, you're probably just doing things kind of like I own the world and like, I'm just going to do stuff that's dangerous. Great amounts of that stuff. Absolutely. hundred percent. There's not something I probably didn't try or do or wasn't willing to do in those moments. Wow. Can you tell me like a story of when you just felt so invincible and you were doing something that's like now looking back, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of times where we needed something or somebody didn't pay us and we would pull up on them and make sure that we ended up ultimately with what we wanted. And those are situations where I look back on now where I've even kind of revisited or seen that person that we did stuff with or did stuff to. Wow. But looking back now, there's just some things in engagement and what I chose to do in situations to get my way or to continue the upkeep of my reputation that just astonishes me even today. Wow. Now, I understand those risky behaviors continue right into adulthood. I understand there was a moment that you robbed a bank, but you robbed a bank as an employee, like from the inside out. Tell us about that. I was working in the vault and very easy to have money in my hands all day long. And I got the idea to start taking it. Oh my God. And so I was replacing $100 bills with $1 bills and the $10,000 straps and putting the excess $100 bills in a duffel bag Whoa. and leaving with it each day. Oh my gosh. How long were you doing this? Quite a long time. <laughs> Enough time to have a good amount of money put aside to be able to put my two weeks in comfortably and walk out scot-free or so I thought anyway. So wait a minute. So there's this moment where you're robbing and you're taking it and you're stealing from the bank, but you work there. But then you just put in your two weeks and you just leave like you're thinking it was going to be good. Like, I don't understand what happened. Yep, that's it. Just put my two weeks in and left. It <laughs> hadn't been caught yet, so it wasn't going to get caught and just walk out. Are we talking about just like a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars, or are we talking about some big money here? We're talking about commas. We're talking about money. Okay, so you took a lot of money over a good amount of time. That's right. But I understand something happened, like you got caught. That's right. Got caught. Kicked in my door one faithful day, was sitting there minding my own business, and got strangely quiet, and got my door kicked in, and... Got taken to jail in house shoes and boxers. Oh my gosh. 
And what were you thinking at this time? Were you under the influence of cocaine and drugs when you were getting arrested? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> when they kicked the door and I was using it, bagging it, guns on the table, money on the table. So most people you think would be like, oh, okay, like my life is over, but how yeah. did it didn't hit you that way? Like, how did you feel while you're getting arrested? I was asking if I could put pants on and shoes. That's all I was really worried about was comfortability. So you felt not scared at all. You were just like, I'm going to get out of this somehow. Somehow. Yeah, I'm going to do something. Oh my gosh. Drew, let's stop there because man, it sounds like you are big, you're bad, you're scary. And I'm glad you are not who you were before. Thanks so much, brother, for sharing these real experiences. And I want to have you back on our show to talk about the real emotions you're going through as a young man deep inside the shell of feeling invincible. So, Drew, thanks so much for being on our show. Hey, man. Appreciate you having me on. It was a blessing. Look forward to the next time. Awesome, man. Hang tight. Let's talk more about this right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it. 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show, where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? It's interesting how Drew was one of those people who believed that he was invincible in all his plots and plannings. His story reminds me of certain movies where the bad guys really believe they have a lot of power and are therefore invincible. I think a lot of younger people can take this attitude on easily, maybe subtly. And when we're younger, you know, we are stronger. We have more ability. But as you get older, you start to learn that you aren't invincible, physically at least. But you see, Drew wasn't thinking he was invincible in a good way, but rather he was thinking he was unstoppable in a bad way. That he was like his own God, like he was the master of his own destiny. Now, is that true for everyone? Drew's old life matches that of ancient writings where it's written in Proverbs 1, 15-19. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain their net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. According to ancient scriptures, those living the lifestyle that Drew lived will only be hurting themselves. That eventually life will catch up to those who choose in haste to shed blood, to set traps for others, for others to fall into, they will fall into them themselves. In truth, they will always fall into their own traps, which you'll hear is what happened to Drew. Now, was it too late? No, because you will hear in the next show how God changed his life. But what about you? Take a moment and examine your life. Have you ever found yourself to be maybe plotting against another person, finding a way to trick them? 
maybe take from them? If so, don't you know you're only laying a trap for yourself? And if you're being tempted to run along with someone who's laying down traps for others, know that eventually you will fall in that trap yourself. Maybe it's a sales scheme from a dishonest company, or maybe it's cheating the government in some way. I want you to take a moment. If you're hearing this, if what Drew mentions about his life, if it somehow connects with the way that you live your life, just know this, Jesus loves you right where you're at, and he wants you to repent of laying down traps for others Because ultimately, He is thinking of you. There is a better way, and it's a pathway of love and doing unto others as you'd have done unto yourself. In the Bible, it says not to walk with them, those who are seeking to gain by hurting others. In the end, those who do will only be hurting themselves. Father God, I'm praying for the person who might be that person, or maybe the person who's dealing with someone like that. And Lord Jesus, I'm praying that we just repent of that right now in Jesus' mighty name. Father God, we receive you instead, and we want you in our lives, Lord Jesus, and we ask for you to be with us in Jesus' name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to AwakeningTheNations.com and click Guest Audition on the top menu. See you next time.